world. It's Thursday, and there's another episode. Let's go. Mm-hmm. A bonus one? The, the thing is, I already had a conversation with a couple of people who are like, can you do the bonus episode more often? <laughs> <laughs> can, can you always have a Thursday episode? <laughs> it might not even be good. Why do, maybe they don't want it. No, I'm just kidding. This is going to be great because we have Alex with us. Yeah. Alex preached on Sunday. Uh, from either the second or third commandment, we can't, <laughs> can't wait to find out. <laughs> uh, but welcome, Alex. Thank uh, you. Pastor Mike is here and Dave as What's well. Up? And so we're just going to get right into it. There's be a couple things we do. We're going to talk about the sermon from Sunday, yep. uh, talk about some um, uh, points regarding that, and then transition a little bit, talk about some of uh, the work that's going on and some um, strategies for education. There's all sorts of things that we're going to talk about in the second part of great. this as well. So uh, we'll be in here for a little while. Uh, but first off, Alex, give us a overview, uh, a summary of the sermon on Sunday, and then we'll get in and ask some questions. All right. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, so I was preaching on the name commandment. In Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And my argument in the sermon was that this commandment has been mistranslated and misunderstood. It actually relates very much to global missions. Hmm. And the interpretation that I put forward on Sunday isn't original to me. It was something that I read and was convinced of um, by the work of a scholar named Carmen Imes. And she pointed out that the verbs translated as take, it's a Hebrew verb, nasah, um, the, the meaning of that verb is lift or carry. Um, and it's translated almost always that way throughout the, the Old Testament. But starting with the King James Version, it was translated as take, and I think probably because it didn't make much sense to those original translators, you shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. So by translating it as take, the idea was this commandment is forbidding the mis verbal misuse mm -hmm. of God's name. So it has to do with speaking primarily. But following Carmen Imes, I think rather it means do not carry, or maybe we would say do not bear the Lord's mm -hmm. name in vain. And the general idea is the people of Israel were called to represent God in the world. Right. They were to show the world what God was like. They were to make his name known wherever they went. Mm. And that was their mission and the commandment is warning against having that commission, that role that God has given to them and doing a bad job of it, which, yeah. as we know, the history of Israel, they did right. mm -hmm. cause God's name to be profaned and blasphemed among the nations instead of being exalted as he deserves. Mm -hmm. I have a question right off the bat. Yeah. I know most people probably want to talk about the whole second, third commandment thing, but before we get there, you know, it's an interesting point. Israel is supposed to be God's representative in the world. We too, as the New Testament church, are supposed to be that. So the New Testament is littered with these uh, exhortations and commands, ultimately about being God's representatives 
mm-hmm. in this world. His ambassadors, Paul says, you know, we're just Philippians two to shine as light in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You know, in the gospels, we're a city on a hill. With that in mind, you know, how much of the New Testament exhortations and even commands are to be seen through the lens of global missions? Yeah, in that sense, I think all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the the way that we represent God in the world in, incorporates all of our lives, word and deed mm-hmm. and thought. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. This this is kind of the filter through which we should understand the other commandments and uh, our role as new covenant believers, I think is fulfilling uh, the intention of the 10 commandments and more broadly the law. I love that too, because you know, most people, I think even in the Western church kind of think as the work of global missions is out there somewhere. And, you know, I'm, I'm supporting in prayer or encouragement or financially or whatever it may be. And certainly there's a, a portion that is very, very true and wonderful and necessary, especially when we're talking about frontier missions, going to the unreached. But when you think about, um, when you think about the, the, our role as a representative of Christ's kingdom, that, that brings all of that to the forefront of my daily life, which I know we're going to talk about here later on, but it's a, it is kind of a whole perspective shift to go, oh, wait a second, especially when you tie it to this command as you did on Sunday so beautifully. I am everywhere I go bearing the brand of Christianity. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's it's like on my forehead, it's written on my chest. And so the way I act and react, the way I speak or when I don't speak, how I live is representing Christ and his kingdom. And it's either going to be you know, this beautiful invitation, an example uh, of the the love and character of God, or it's going to be constant, unnecessary stumbling blocks. Mm. So I just love that it, you really, you kind of brought the whole mission work right to my own feet and my own heart and, and talked about, it's it's really like a priesthood of all believers and a responsibility that we all bear together. So yeah. it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And it is an individual responsibility, but of course, the Ten Commandments were addressed to the nation yeah. of Israel. Yeah, that this was their corporate responsibility to bear God's name well, and I think as you move into the New Covenant, this is the responsibility of the church yes. as well. So, New City, as a community, the way that we treat each other the way that we live life together as believers is to be a corporate witness to mm-hmm. God's name. Amen. Yeah, the um, what this clarification of this commandment did, it's like, a, I, I viewed it as like a clarification and like an enhancement because mm. I, don't, I don't think you would deny this command includes verbal misuse, right? Oh, yes. So You gave a couple sure. examples of yeah. blasphemy yeah. and misuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would be included in there, right? Um, which is, is excellent. But, um, you know, there is seemingly some type of order a little bit to the Ten Commandments. I mean, to be on the list at all is great. <laughs> I mean, I, it shows the importance. You were like, why would we put this? I remember you putting up two fingers. <laughs> number two. Like, that would seem yeah. to be... Um, and so we'll get to the whether as it's opposed to murder. Yeah, right. And we'll get to whether it's two or three and just after this. But um, um, you know, I think that uh, seeing how central mm. 
what a priority is. If, if number one is have no other gods before me, that seems to have international application because there's a multiplicity right. of gods of the nations. Mm-hmm. And then secondly then is that if you're only going to worship the one true God, then you need to bear that name well, and that has implications and applications for every area of my life then. And so then it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense that that would be at the top of the list. And uh, yeah, beyond just the verbal thing. So I, I felt like it just really broadened and enhanced what this is. Um, I want to have I'll have a co- couple of questions after you know, but I want to, I want to hear you about second and third commandments. So okay, go on that. Yeah, good. I I did receive a couple of questions about the numbering of the commandments, and again, the perspective I now have I didn't arrive at through independent study. Um, I read and an essay written by a scholar named Jason DeRoshi in a volume honoring Daniel Block called For Our Good Always, he writes uh, an essay called Counting the Ten. And I can make that available to Mike and Dave and Dan. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and are interested in, in learning more, um, I can get through them the, a copy of this essay to you. But let me just give you a couple of the high points. He's just going to read it. It's it's about 2,500 words. He's just going to read it really quick for us. <laughs> that would be useful to do, but... Um, yeah, so Jason DeRoshi first points out, as maybe not all of us will be aware, that there is quite a bit of debate among Jewish scholars and Christian scholars yeah. about how to number the Ten Commandments. I remember as I was considering this, I went through and I counted the number of imperatives mm. in the Ten Commandments, and there are 17 of them. Mm-hmm. So you have to fit 17 mm-hmm. commandments into 10 words, is how to literally translate uh, the term in the, the Hebrew that is used to refer to these. Mm-hmm. So how do you divide them? And different Jewish traditions do it slightly differently. Catholics and Lutherans do it slightly differently than uh, the typical Protestant ordering. So there is already some debate about how to do it. But Jason DeRoshi points out that starting at the, at the end, because he would, he would break what we took, typically think of do not covet he divides that into two commandments and in the in the essay he gives several reasons why but if you look at exodus 20 verse 17 you'll notice it says you shall not covet your neighbor's house you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox Mm. now he points out that the verb is repeated there you know, you have, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, one verb per commandment. But then why repeat the verb covet in what we have typically considered the 10th commandment? And then furthermore, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female. Now, if that was really truly lumped into one commandment, it would make more sense, at least in my mind, if it was written, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor his wife, nor his male servant, nor his... And 
there's just enough grammatical clues there that in the author's mind these might be separate commandments. But it becomes even more clear, and this is where it starts to get complicated, when you look at the republishing of the Ten Commandments in mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 5, because there are slight differences people may be aware of, especially related to the Sabbath commandment. Mm -hmm. Kind of the reasons uh, given uh, for observing the Sabbath are different in the, the listing of the law, uh, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5. But if you look at Deuteronomy 5.21, it says, And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, female servant, etc. So in this case, mm. actually a different verb is used to further distinguish those. So following Jason DeRoshi, I think probably this is not the 10th commandment, but the 9th and 10th commandment, that this gets divided. And then if you go back to the beginning of the 10 commandments, typically um, the, the intro in Exodus 20, sorry, one second, let me get there. In Exodus 20, chap, uh, verse 1, uh, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, verse 2, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Most often that is seen as the prologue, not, not a part of the ten words. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. What Daroshi argues is that look at the first person pronouns in these first few verses. In other words, the I's, the me's. Consistently from verse 2 to verse 6, you, you have I and me, the first person pronoun throughout all of these verses. And then starting in verse 7, it switches to third person. It's third person for the rest. So already you have another grammatical point that is suggesting that we take these verses together. Then it says, you shall have no other gods before me. And then in verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Hmm. So what does the them refer to in verse 5? He argues grammatically it makes more sense uh, to point back to verse 3. You shall have no other gods before mm. me. So that would be another mm. slight indication that these things, these two words should be taken together, actually, as the first commandment. And then a final point that he makes, and of course he makes this case much better in the essay than, than I am doing right now. But he says in the first, what he numbers four commandments, there is... The commandment that's given, and then a rationale or motive. A yep. Commandment, rationale, commandment, rationale. Well, with the first one, mm -hmm. you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down and serve them. For I am the Lord your God. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So that rationale grounds all three commandments, but is considered as part of the first word. Mm. Or first commandment. Then you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. 
remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy for, and then honor your father and mother, that you've got a motive clause. Mm -hmm. So there's a number of these grammatical, um, syntactical details in the text which suggests that, you know, um, what we would typically consider the first two commandments should be lumped together and what we consider the last commandment should be split in two. Mm-hmm. Now, some of you who are listening may think, well, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. And in one sense, I agree with you. It's not that important. But something that Carmen Imes uh, pointed out, which I thought was so cool when she mentioned this, is you may be familiar with what's called the, the covenant formula that you can find throughout the Old Testament. And it's basically the phrase, I am the Lord your God, and you will be my people. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've, you find this in Exodus 6, 2 Samuel 7, Jeremiah 7. Then a, a well-known instance in the New Testament of this is when you get to Revelation 21, verse 3, you know, mm-hmm. the dwelling uh, place of God will be his, with his people, and he will be their God, mm-hmm. and they will be his people. That same kind of covenant formula. Well, Imes' argument is that what she, and she agrees with DeRoshi and me about the numbering of the commandments. The first commandment, you know, there shall be no other gods uh, before me. Don't make a carved image. Don't bow down to them. That corresponds to I am the Lord your God. It's the, mm-hmm. the gist of the commandment is worship only Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Well, then the second commandment, you shall not bear the Lord's name in vain, relates to you will be my people. Mm. So the first two commandments mirror this covenant formula, and it sets up all the rest of the commandments and all of the rest of the law, really. The, the basic statement of, for Israel and for us as the new covenant people of God is we are God's, mm-hmm. And he is ours. Mm-hmm. We've got that that relationship, both you know, exclusive worship and devotion to God alone, and what our role is as God's people in this world. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really cool and really convincing. Mm-hmm. It's really great too, especially because you know you said at the end, and you you mentioned like I don't, I don't mean to be like flippant with the statement, but we're we are God's marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. And so when you tie, you know, in in your case, what you just sought to, you know, kind of challenge us on the, the first and second commandment being bearing God's name. I am the Lord, your God, one, two, you are my people, AKA don't, don't go and represent me wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't, don't live in such a way as if you have other gods mm-hmm. live right. in such a way as, as if I'm your God. It makes a lot of sense. And again, it, I think the tie there is really strong. I love that uh, revelation component you brought in and, um, yeah, he, we are God's, <laughs> we, his possession, not that we are like, you know, mm-hmm. God's and, and he is, um, mm-hmm. he's ours. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate your work on that. Um, I haven't heard that kind of clearly articulated before. I think the strengths of the grammatical and the first, you know, part that you're talking about the fours and the motivational clauses are strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we'll transition from this. I, the last part to me, or the, the, the splitting the two at the end, 
I feel like is the weakest part of that argument, just because I feel like if we're going to make that first one, if we can say you have no other gods before me and don't make any graven images and those things are all kind of connected as one, then I think someone on the other side could argue don't covet the wife, also don't covet the land. Don't covet that would, by the same logic, you could very easily. So... I wrote my dissertation on that. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, we will also send you all that article. Yeah, I know. Right, right. <laughs> but I appreciate, especially in the end there, the the connection between one and two there. So definitely food for thought. Yeah. Um, and that's what Sermon Plus is for. I love you it. You know, being able to dig in there and seeing a really healthy connection and taking the Bible seriously. That, that's great. The, the last few minutes, that portion of walking through the second and, or first, second, and third commandment might be the most real purest Sermon Plus content we've actually (laughs) ever had yeah yeah, all right so there you go Uh well mike challenged me to keep my sermon to 30 to 35 (laughs) minutes which was difficult for me to do because Uh i would have wanted to put some of this stuff but i knew i had sermon plus i had it it in my back pocket (laughs) so great i've heard people describe you know this old testament model and not just old testament but extending that god's always been gathering a people to reveal his glory to and to show his glory through. Mm-hmm. And so to, you know, see those first two words here as synced up of that, yeah. I'm your God, you'll be my people, my representatives, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot there, I think. And to even see grace before, so in the prologue, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Like there's this whole like initiating grace and you know, goodness and mercy of God uh, to Israel. And so therefore, that's kind of like, you know, gospel formula for us as the people of God that he's initiated. And, you know, even, you know, as I was listening to you talk about bearing the name, uh, I felt at times in the sermon like a heavy weight of it, which I think you wanted us to feel, Yeah, (laughs) honestly, Mm -hmm. you know, because it is a grave thing. Um, And yet at the same time, I was thankful for uh, what I would call a gospel reprieve uh, in your second point of application where it's like part of bearing the name well is being willing to acknowledge that we don't bear the name well, that the law was given to reveal that like inherently I, and this isn't like a cop out, but like I can't bear the name well. I'm, I'm sinful, I'm selfish and all these other things. And so to see, you know, not that I'm just like going to sin so that I can say I'm sorry and that bears a name well. I'm not, that's not what I'm arguing at all, but just to to know that, you know, I have the Spirit of God. Uh, I was telling that to Dave. Like the brand, like we, sh- I don't, I'm not into like big church brands. The brand is the Spirit. Yeah. We've been branded by God with the Holy Spirit. So He should be our brand, but yeah. um, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to bear the name well. And when we don't, you know, we have the cross. I mean, good night. So you have the Spirit. How good is that? And then when you don't live by the power of the Spirit and you 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 give into fleshly desires or whatever and you don't bear the name well, then you have the beauty and the sufficiency of the cross uh, to be willing to confess our sins. And, and that all of that contributes to bearing the name well. One of the challenges I, I had, or that, that it, was, it was encouragement, you know, in your application, you had three points of application at the end. And it made me think, so Saturday night, my family, um, we were coming back from somewhere, I don't remember, and we, we stopped by to get ice cream for the kids at Trace Roley Dolce. It's this little like putt-putt and ice cream place right there in downtown Camden. It's great. And 
we just decided to show up and there's uh, a, a local kind of small band that travels different places playing and singing. And I know the lead guy, his name is Brian. I'm like, this guy definitely doesn't know who I am, remember me, but I met him like 10 years ago. Um, he was he was a waiter and we got into a conversation about music. This was literally like 10 years ago. We had a great conversation. You know, maybe we became Facebook friends or something. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I see him all the time. And like, it's one of those where I just, you know, we kind of smile and, and wave, but I'm thinking he just recognizes my face. He has no idea who I am. I remembered his name was Brian. And even at the, you know, the ice cream place that night, I saw like 30 people from the community that mm -hmm. I know. And mm -hmm. the place was packed. Mm -hmm. And you're having a conversation constantly. I remember leaving that night thinking like, oh man, you know, every time you're out there, if you come in contact with people you know, like they know who you are. Mm. So I was even conscientious that night about how I'm interacting with my kids, how I'm interacting with my, not trying to put on a front, but just very aware that I'm representing more than just me. Mm. Yeah. And so here's, here was the pivotal moment that, that got me thinking on Sunday morning. I'm walking away, Brian and his band, again, who he doesn't, I don't, I'm like, this guy doesn't know me. They just finished a song and I just wanted to encourage him because he's great. He's an excellent musician. It's my favorite local group. And so I just waved my hand. I said, you know, you're crushing it, Brian. Great job, man. And he goes, thanks, Dave. Good to see you. <laughs> and I walk away and I look at Abby. I'm like, did he just say my name? And she's like, yeah. How does he know you? I'm like, I met him 10 years ago, like once. Yeah. And it meant so much to me, first of all, that he knew mm. my name. I was like, that is amazing. And then I thought, Oh my goodness. Like he knew my, you yeah. know, I see him all the time. How have my other interactions been like when he's been around? And the point is, you know, people who know you know who you belong to. They know who you profess to be. Mm -hmm. And so I sent him a message and he's, and again, he knew I was a pastor. He was a Christian. He knew I was a musician, these types of things. And mm -hmm. I just thought, man, I am always, so Sunday morning I was like, yeah, I am always bearing the name of God with me. And I want to be faithful in how I'm representing him and, and inviting yeah. people into his story. Yeah. Amen. I often think through the lens of parenting about the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us as fathers, as parents can realize that, oh, we've made mistakes with our kids. We haven't done things as wisely or as patiently or as lovingly mm -hmm. as we would want. And those things are very painful and mm -hmm. painfully obvious to us. But I, my prayer for myself and my wife is that when our kids leave our house, they might recognize, yeah, our parents didn't get it all right, but when they made mistakes, they were quick to come back yes. to us, humble themselves and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't handle that well. You know, I shouldn't have gotten angry or I made a mistake here. And that one of the primary ways we can witness to our kids is no, we're not perfect, and we often fail and sin, but we're always quick and humble to, to ask for forgiveness, Yes, to acknowledge our mistakes, not to make excuses for ourselves, um, but just to own it. Mm -hmm. And so that's, of course, I think the way that we need to be in the world as mm -hmm. well, as I mentioned in the sermon. You know, between the politicians and, you know, pressure to represent yourself perfectly on social media. There's a lot of cultural currents going the other way. So mm. we really can be distinct as the people of God. If we are repentant, we yeah. are humble. Yeah. We show that, hey, 
we don't represent God as we should, but we are so grateful that there is forgiveness and mercy and restoration with him. And we want to live for him. Um, and his grace and mercy want us all the more so to, yeah. to mm-hmm. live in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. It's like the care, you know, the grace of God so embedded in his character that the people of God can reflect both exactly God and being his people yeah <laughs> as they both model holiness and yet humility mm, exactly kind of a, interesting yeah, you're there. always the goal is always to bear the name of Christ well that never sh- shifts you know so that's the calling that's the high calling and then living into and living up to that by grace is important I would just say one other thing about just sermons in general. Um, so I had an experience uh, actually last night. So this is Thursday when we're recording. So uh, where I felt like my behavior was like right on the edge uh, in a coaching situation. And so, um, you know, went home and talked to my wife about it and prayed through it and uh, decided to reach out to somebody uh, about it this morning. And it was the, the sermon. You know, it was the word of God spoken to me. Mm. Again, normally wow. I'm a preacher, so right. I'm, I'm doing a lot of the preaching. That but... never happens when I'm preaching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we brought in a guest preacher, and you know, Mike felt the conviction of the Spirit. <laughs> um, and so, you know, just a word. And if you're listening to this, you know, I'm sure I'm preaching in the choir. If you're listening to Sermon Plus, you're definitely listening to the sermons as well. But yeah. just thankful to God um, for the gift of the gathered church Amen. to hear the preached word. I know I was having a conversation with Alex and Betsy recently, and they were processing through some things. And uh, uh, Betsy just mentioned how a sermon had affected her, mm. uh, what she needed to hear in a very difficult moment. And so, just you know, the grace of being present in a sermon. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going through something hard, or if you're wondering, "Man, I want to change," you know, just an encouragement to just keep showing up to hear the Word of God, and He speaks uh, through his word and through his servants. So yeah. amen. amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sermon plus is already a bonus mm-hmm. from Sundays, uh, but this, this has a bonus within the bonus. Oh man. This because, is deep. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we feel like, so I, I feel like that kind of concludes our talk about sermon plus, but we actually want to shift and talk a little bit about kind of uh, ministry and, and Christian education and Christian maturity, spiritual formation uh, in general. I know that that is something that deeply resonates with you. It's actually something that we've been talking about uh, for a while here. And so maybe to kind of like what the appetite, could, could we shift into a conversation about the importance of habits? And so, Dan, I remember you were uh, out of state a few months ago and you came back and mm-hmm. you'd, you'd visit a church while you're away and you came back with this uh statement i don't know if it was on like a bulletin or something mm-hmm. but it, it i think it said and correct me if i'm wrong uh habits eat values for breakfast that's it is that right <laughs> that's it <laughs> and so that's that's been something that we've actually referred to uh several times in the last i feel like you know a couple months as we're even thinking through as a church like you know who are we really at our deepest core? And so there's um, there's a there's a book that we just referenced even before this by James Smith called You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit. And he says this in that book, your deepest desire, he observes, is the one manifested by your daily life and habits. This is because our action, our doing, bubbles up from our loves, which as we've observed, are habits we've acquired through the practices we're immersed in. That means the formation of my loves and desires can be happening 
under the hood of consciousness. I might be learning to love a telos that I'm not even aware of and that nonetheless governs my life in unconscious ways. And so this is something that you you were mentioning even just a few minutes ago, um, Alex, how uh, what you we are what we do, right? And so how important is it to immerse ourselves in uh, not secular liturgies, but like the liturgy of God's story on a daily basis? What does that look like? How do we encourage even your typical churchgoer who kind of thinks like big theological study or uh, Christian practices kind of for the, the professionals, so to speak? I mean, how do we encourage and equip our people to really uh, think about how their habits are forming them, how it's a part of their worship, it's a part of their growth, Christian maturity, all of that? Yeah, that's a great question. And James Smith's work was helpful to to bring that to the forefront for me. Also, I don't know if any of you have read, there's a New York Times bestseller, Atomic Habits, mm-hmm. James Clear. Really good book, not, not a Christian book, but an excellent book talking about habits and habit formation. Um, he did a deep dive into the studies that have been done. So I would actually recommend that book to anyone who's interested in this topic. Yeah, as you were saying, Dave, we really are what we do every day. Right. And I would just challenge some of the people who might be listening to this podcast, think about what is the first thing you do every morning? You know, whether it's check your cell phone or do something else. And then what do you tend to do at the end of the day when you're tired and stressed out and you need a release? Or what content are you feeding yourself You know, on a drive to work or when you have a few minutes and you want to look at something? Because those things are shaping us mm. incredibly, but as you said, Dave, even unconsciously. And I think we make a mistake if we think that a five-minute devotion in God's word can kind of reverse all of this spiritual formation that's happening kind of unconsciously throughout the day if the vast majority of our time is spent um, meditating on on other things. So yeah, it is, I think, a call to self-examination first, and I think the first step is just being aware, doing maybe a spiritual inventory like what are my habits? Right. Mm-hmm. What are the the sources of information uh, that I'm immersing myself in and how might they be forming me for good or yeah. evil even if I don't always realize it? Um, and then, you know, there's a reason that Psalm 1 describes the blessed man as the one who meditates on the word of God day and night. You know, and how important meditation it is, but how important it is to, as one of my former pastors used to say, what what frame of mind or what do you shift into, you know, when you're in neutral? What's your default position as you go through your day? Great question. Yeah, and man, when you start looking at your life through that lens, it's really convicting about kind of what you're opening your mind and what you're opening your heart to. So, um, yeah, the first step would be awareness, I think, uh, evaluation. And then the second step would be start 
reforming some of your habits and spiritual disciplines, you know, not just as some kind of cold duty, but this is the intentional rhythm to my life that I want to, this is the kind of person I want to be. And I realize that to, to be that kind of person, I have to form these daily habits. Mm. Yeah. That's, and you might be wondering why maybe this necessarily has come up. Um, you know, Alex, you are a professor <laughs> responsible mm, right. for training um, leaders. Um, and so maybe keep going with that. Talk a little bit about some of the trends that you're seeing. You know, we've been talking uh, a little bit about, you know, who should be receiving what kind of training, mm. <laughs> you know, is, is there a distinct training for leaders? Should uh, all believers, you know, be engaged in this? Who's, whose ball is this to be carrying, so to speak? And then just from your perspective as somebody who, who does this for a living, this is your job is, is training as a professor. Um, just one of the, what are the trends you're seeing? What are you passionate about? What's effective? What's not that kind of, Yeah, thanks, Dan. So two thoughts. One, first of all, as I think about my own Indonesian undergraduate students, you know, they are in the classroom for, uh, with, with my class, two and a half hours once a week, you know, I can talk with them about the Word of God. And they have a number of other classes. But if I talk to them, like, what are you doing in the afternoons? What are you doing in the evenings, into the late evenings? A lot of other time. Yeah, a time. and <laughs> a lot of them, just like, you know, probably young 20-year-olds here in the United States, too, they're playing video games, watching YouTube, eating instant noodles, and, you know, mm-hmm. staying up until 2 or 3 in the morning and then trying to drag themselves mm. out of bed and come to class, you know, in a half-zombie-like state. And, of course... That doesn't make for effective learning. It doesn't mm. make for effective spiritual formation. If you're in the classroom a couple hours in a day, but then all the rest of the, the habits and the current of your life is pulling in a different direction. Mm. So, yeah, I see that issue um, in my school as well. Maybe I could go on a bit of a tangent here for a second. Um, I had an idea a few years ago of why aren't there more seminaries in the United States that combine theological education with boot camp? Love this. Basically. Because I think a lot of young men would be attracted to it. For sure. So so my idea was, what if you got a place... I'll go go back to seminary right now. (laughs) All right, Dave. (laughs) What if you got a place uh, like in the woods in North Carolina... And you got, you know, some ex-drill sergeant to partner with you. And you had a group of young single men. And you said, you know, okay, you're going to come here. We're going to train your your body and your mind. You're going to get up every morning, do PT. Are you listening, George? (laughs) Oh, man. And we're going to watch your diet really carefully. We're going to be immersed in the Word of God. We're going to be doing tough and challenging things. And maybe we'll give you 30 minutes a day on your phone. you know. And then you're going to be in bed with the lights out by 10 o'clock or something. And my prediction is if you immersed guys in that kind of environment for a year, they would 
you know, they would emerge physically stronger, fitter, more mentally alert, tuned into the Word of God. Oh, man. And, you know, that kind of thing, it would take a while to reform the habits, I think, and they might not like it at first, but once it becomes kind of second nature, then I think at the end of just one year, there would be it'd be a profoundly different way of living. For sure. So as I've thought about the Indonesian context, I've thought, oh, well, could I start some kind of maybe 40-day challenge in which I invite a bunch of guys up and we try something like this? And those are, that's one of the ministry dreams I have that's kind of on the shelf, but it does combine. I'll come. Okay. I'll come. I'm, I'm telling right, you right now, I will come. <laughs> and I know of two other guys that will come and help for <laughs> sure. Yeah, because it, it is so important. You might think that, you know, what you're doing at 10 or 11 o'clock and what you're eating then and how much sleep you get doesn't really relate to your seminary education, but it does. It's all of, you know, one piece. Um, here's what's yeah. amazing about, here's what's amazing about this. You know, you mentioned they might not even like it. Like the, if you're not in the habit of like exercising or going to bed early or waking up early, you don't like the beginning, but you want it. And what's amazing is, you know, with what's happening in culture and, and the ability to so easily numb and entertain yourself, it, it's like at the end of the day, a lot of people aren't hap happy with their habits. If you were to take a poll, like, you know, you said the first step is kind of becoming aware. If you were to do spiritual inventory, I think most people would want to make a lot of adjustments. It's just hard. But they do actually want to change. And it is even amazing to, I'm experiencing this right now because we have two young kids. That whole, like, um, like we are, tr we are very aware of secu secular liturgies or poor practices or information download in relationships with our kids. And we're doing the best yeah. we can by God's grace to limit, you know, certain things, encourage other things, provide yes. other things. And we do this for the care of like small children. And I'm, I'm sure like into the teenage years, I'm looking at you guys cause you've got older kids than me. And then we can kind of just like think that we don't need that. <laughs> like, Oh, I'm good. I need to make sure that you don't get too much screen time. I need to make sure that you don't, you know, your your eyes are protected from these immodest things and that you don't hear these types of things. And, you know, you're out, you need outside, you know, time to get out in the sun and run around. But like, I don't need that. You know what I mean? You're right. And we come, we become increasingly unhappy or we fall into, and that's what I loved about, you know, what, what James says. Oftentimes it's just this unconscious thing, but it is forming us in incredible ways. So, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Um, so the, the second thought, I'm trying to retrace my steps here. Um, yeah, what do I notice about uh, th theological education? And yeah, I think what I wanted to say was this, this term that we have, disciple, mm. right? Mm. What does that mean? It, it basically means a student or a learner that you kind of apprentice under a master. And if we are all disciples of the Lord Jesus, then that commits us to lifelong learning with Jesus. And this is not something that's reserved just for the pastors, just for the professors, 
just for the so-called elite within the church, will have to think about training and theological education and reading, you know, books about the Bible and so forth. Those things can't be farmed out to the so-called experts. This is the calling of every Christian as a mm. disciple of Jesus Christ. So yeah, I think that the things we're talking about here and becoming, you know, more conversant with the scriptures, have a better understanding, you know, putting them into practice, that's the calling of every every believer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. I think when I think about formation and habits and disciplines and things like that, I've had a... I've seen you laugh here, and here giggle we go. and smile a few times in the last 15, 20 minutes. Here we go. <laughs> and I'm actually going to surprise Dan and Dave here. No. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even going to make... That's some not of, why you're here. I'm you're not even going to make some of the comments I normally would make. That's, <laughs> that's not for Sermon Plus. That's for Sermon Negative. <laughs> I'm going to be a good team player here. Oh, I'm going to go along with this conversation. <laughs> the... Um, I think one of if I if I were going to say okay well if you're going to ask me what practices do I need mm. and you talked about the downtime and like a five minute thing when you said the five minute thing like a, a five minute devotional is not going to push back on the wave of that and it's like that's true but so it's like what are we actually calling people to are we are we calling them to hours and hours of meditation right. are we that's are good. we calling them to reading the Bible like what are we actually doing and if I'm going to look at the scriptures what consistently I think the most consistent New Testament command exhortation encouragement is for the believer, and this is going to be no surprise, is to renew your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, to set your mind on things that are above. Even the term meditate there means, so it actually a five-minute meditation, this is where I lose the battle. My wife's really good at this, and I'm not as much. My personality is like, I'm going to hit a grand slam or nothing. <laughs> like, I'm going to go and pray, you know, all day long and all this other stuff, and my wife's like, no, just do 10 minutes of work here, and do 10 minutes of work there, and do 10 minutes of work here. And that... I, so I'm again. It'd be a much bigger conversation about this for sure. But I think it's the you know again set your mind on things that are above. You have the mind of Christ. Mm. Uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, man, I'm blanking. You know, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Like all of that stuff is this, and it's done by faith. Yep. In the morning, at noon, at night, you are in a sense reminding yourself of your identity in Christ. And so I would say, what's in the sense, if you were to ask me what's the most important spiritual practice, I would say it is to believe in Jesus every day. Which sounds like, of course I believe in Jesus, category. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about when you wake up in the morning, you are by faith applying the reality that I'm in Christ. Back to the Ten Commandments conversation. Like, I belong to the Lord, and the Lord belongs to me. And you're renewed in that reality. That's going to shape the rest of my day. And now to do that, I just had a conversation with my 20-year-old. Like, you cannot keep renewing your mind like that unless you feed it with the Bible right? and with prayer and with fellowship. And so right. the Christian life demands, quote-unquote, renewal, and renewal is fed by yeah. fellowship, Bible, prayer, yeah. singing, you know, those type of things. So um, as I think about spiritual formation, I think sometimes people run to the habits of read my Bible. You can read your Bible and not renew your mind. Mm -hmm. You can maybe even go through the motions of praying and not renew your mind. The practice is the end. 
Right. And mm. so I want to make sure what is actually happening, what has actually happened is that I've been united with the living Christ. That's what's actually happened. And so am I experiencing by the power of the Holy Spirit that reality when I read my Bible, when I listen to a song, when I fellowship, whatever that is. And so I, I am eager and zealous for myself, listeners, anyone that will hear me to engage with the resurrected living Christ, this union with him and living that out day by day. I think that's like, if you're asking me, that's at the top of the list of the priorities of yes. what habits that's am great. I trying to develop? Yes and amen to all that you have said. However, I think if we're being realistic, for a lot of people, ourselves included at times, you know, we might sit down to read the Bible or to pray and it just feels dry and like there's nothing there. Mm. And in those times, I think we have to be faithful to maintain the habits, even if there might not be that mm -hmm. vibrant experience of the Lord. Because one of my favorite illustrations of C.S. Lewis, he talks about digging channels, you know, mm -hmm. um, during the drought so that when the rains come, mm -hmm. you can capture um, you know, the blessing of God. Can I push back on that a little bit? Yes. I don't <laughs> start, but you start with saying, however, okay. <laughs> I, again, I, again, I think we're agreeing with each other. I, in the dry seasons though, I'm wondering if people are actually even aiming at being renewed in Christ or if they're aiming at reading their Bible. Yes. If, if your aim is to be renewed in Christ, day by day, meditating there day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by root. Like, I, I just think the aim sometimes or the goal becomes the practice as opposed to the goal being fellowship with Christ. And I'm just wondering how oftentimes, you know, how, how resistant is Christ to me when I'm yearning for him? And again, I get the Psalms, where are you, Lord? And we can have an old covenant, new covenant conversation there. But like, um, yeah, so I, I think that's my, my pushback. Yes, well, well said, and I think that if you, you feel spiritually dry, there should be lament and repentance there because you realize that, hey, this is not a good position to be in. I want, to, I want that to change. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'm sure you, you know the verse where Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is also, which mm -hmm. is a really interesting way it seems like the heart is almost following mm. the giving yeah right mm -hmm. or the spending and i think there's a similar dynamic um where your habits are there is your heart also mm. so i think it is so important especially at the start if you're trying to form new habits and you don't see those immediate results that you might want the important thing is to keep on doing the things that you know you ought to do and sometimes you'll find that your emotions and those religious affections and your vibrant walk with the lord will follow Amen. after mm -hmm. a time yeah Amen. the whole both and mm -hmm. it's like yeah. you know should i should i only be pursuing christ renew my mind when i'm i really am desiring him and his word and i like I, or and should I avoid it if it's just like to come and have it or should I still do it if, I, if I'm if i like feeling dry and stuff? And it's like, well, yes, 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 yes. I remember when you're growing up, I love you, mom, but I had a not a very broad diet. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think I was 21 when I had my first strawberry or maybe knew what a strawberry was, something like that. It, it was, it was you know, easy Mac, 
mm. frozen Tony pizzas. Uh, Tony's pizzas when they had the curled up, you guys, the curled up pepperonis. They were a little spicy. <laughs> you remember? Okay, so this this was basic in, pizza muffins. You you'd, you know put spaghetti sauce and cheese on an English muffin, put it in the oven. Th we, that we we got it. Okay, we got. I have a few we, more examples. We got the diet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you're a making of, me A lot of pepperoni. A lot of pepperoni. A lot of heartburn. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I was, I mean, vegetables and fruits, forget about it. And then I remember when I started dating my wife, she invited me over to dinner. She was going to make me dinner. It was like one of our first times, you know, hanging out with her and her family doing this. And there was like a lot of vegetables. And I remember kind of being like, oh, I don't like any of this stuff. And I became more aware of the years like, hey, if you don't eat these things and my body could feel it now, you know, I'm, my metabolism is changing. I'm growing older and it's like I start not feeling good. And it's like, oh, if you don't actually do these things, whether you like it or not, you're going to be very unhealthy mm -hmm. and like miserable. And one day you're going to die probably sooner than, you know, you should. And so at first it's, it's super simplistic, but it is the reality. Like I did not want to eat vegetables and fruits. I didn't like it. It was different for me. And now, you know, 10, 12 years later, I like don't want to eat junk food, really. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make me feel, and I love fruits and vegetables. Now, there are times where I would rather Sour Patch Kids than Brussels sprouts, mm -hmm. and sometimes I eat their Brussels sprouts because it's what I know I need. But ultimately, and that's the whole thing, like spiritual yeah. formation, what Christ is after is not just like, it's discipleship isn't content with just your intellect. Like Jesus is going after your very heart, your longings, your wants, your desires, and sometimes you've got to push through the hard work to instruct your heart. I mean, meditation, by the way, is a two-way thing. And in the Hebrew, it, it, it's, it's talking about like the voice of your heart. And sometimes it's your heart speaking, and sometimes it's you speaking to your heart. Mm. So sometimes it's naturally coming up like the scripture's bubbling up out of me and I'm renewed. And sometimes I need to instruct my heart on how it should feel. So it's kind of both and, I feel like. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and working together, you know, framing it in terms of, you know, think, considering myself to be an apprentice to Jesus, you know, you you see how that term is used other places. It's not just, you know, the theory of building the house. It's mm. it's here's what it feels like to put the nail in. Like it's here, you know, you should be able, you know, looking at these materials, these look like this, you know, you get familiar with handling. And so even, you know, James K. Smith uses the eating illustration pretty heavily in his book. Well, he, or, he got it from my dissertation. Uh, I'm sure he did. A lot of pepperoni, <laughs> curled pepperoni comments. In <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> really engages the reader. <laughs> you know, not a lot of people are walking around thinking that eating those foods is is not actually helpful, right. but it's just, there's, there's sort of like a, even a practice barrier. Like, what do mm. I even do with these foods? Which ones do I like? How do I prepare them? Mm. Uh, there's a whole habit barrier where that's great. You kind of slide into the comfort of, you know, as he uses it in the book, the drive through or whatever, whatever the things you're used to eating. And so, I think that there's certainly a connection and, you know, of course we run into a danger when we separate those things. It's not, it's not going around bragging about how you eat a Brussels sprout. Right. But it's, it's what that is a mean, what end is that a means to that you're, you're trying to be committed to. Yeah. How do you get, um, you know, how do you encourage, so Alex, our listeners are like, okay, you know, I'm convinced I need to be more engaged in you know, spiritual formation, growing into Christ by a spirit. And so 
I want to pursue things like, uh, you know, Christian education and maturity, not, you know, not necessarily like on a seminary. People aren't like going back to school to get Bible degrees and stuff, right? But in a very simple way, what are some things that people can do? And obviously talk about awareness and, and certainly Bible intake and stuff, but what are some tools maybe that you would recommend or practices that you would recommend for your typical churchgoer who's like, I just want to grow. I just want to grow here. Yeah, well, actually, I would say looking at James Smith's book or the book I mentioned, Atomic Habits, would be really helpful yeah. for them to start thinking about how is it that I can practically change. But then, I mean, and this is, again, not anything new, and the world is clued into this to some degree, but try fasting from your cell phone for a month. Mm. You know, just get a phone that does simple texts and makes calls and just see what it feels like. Not to do any social media, not to read anything on your phone or turn off the TV for a month. I mean, shock your system mm. in a, this kind of fast. And more than kind of a theoretical spiritual inventory by actually trying something like that, I think it's really illuminating as to, hey, what are the things that are forming me? What are the things that I've just become used to? And what are the things that I'm doing on autopilot? I think that's what we're right, saying. Exactly. Like, your life on autopilot looks like what? Right. And how can you change that? So, yeah, uh, a fast, digital media fast, um, could be a very powerful first step mm -hmm. in forming new habits. When we talk about, uh, it's always awkward when you're like a pastor of a church and you're like, you know, hey, it would be cool <laughs> to get involved in a group because <laughs> it, it kind of feels like, you know, self-serving. So even taking off my pastoral hat, you know, you've mentioned this several times, Pastor Mike, how crucial growth groups or, you know, a group of men that you've met with regularly have been in your spiritual formation um, and pursuit of Christ over the last decade plus. Mm. And so it's not just, so Alex makes a great point. Like there, there are things that need to go. That's a whole Hebrews 12 thing to run well like sin for sure. And there's a lot of other stuff that doesn't help you run. And so that awareness inventory is good, but there's also like a refilling, like what does need to go there? What, what does need to fill you in relationships, accountability, um, you know, growing together is so crucial. And so we don't, you know, the, like the, the local church doesn't come up with like Bible studies just so you can be busy. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it, it's meant to actually you know, be instructive and informative and, and also get at your loves and your hearts, your longings and cause you to think different and think, you know, re reorient your values to kingdom values, reorient how you view the gifts and abilities and resources that God has entrusted you to steward well for his kingdom, to think about how you're parenting, to think about how you're loving one another, to think about how you are a friend or a, a spouse. And so, you know, a, a great encouragement would be, yeah, if you, if you were to, if you were to take that seriously and actually say, okay, the next month, I'm not going to do this. Or I'm not going to do that. You know, what, what is something that you can then uh, do and who can you do it with? That's very intentional right. to know more about Christ, to become more like him and, and to love him and others uh, better during that time. Yeah. Doing it, doing mm -hmm. it with a, a group of friends or your spouse or something is powerful. And like you were saying, Dave, it's the whole putting off the old man and yes. putting on the new. That's good. You know, the, the two have to go together. Right. That's good. It's great. 
Which is renewing your mind in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> However. <laughs> the last thing I want to do here um, is just give Alex a couple of minutes to talk about yep. um, his, um, m- you know, what's going on in Indonesia. What are you doing over there, and what are you thinking about doing over there here uh, upcoming? Other than the boot camp, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was serious about the boot camp idea I'm serious for, too. for a while. <laughs> Actually, being in the room, I think both of you are serious about it. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what comes of that. Yeah. Um, well, I wear primarily three hats when I'm in Indonesia. One is I'm the elder, uh, an elder of our international church. Uh, secondly, I'm the field director for our sending agency, our missions organization. And then third, I'm a professor of New Testament at the Evangelical Theological Seminary of Indonesia. And I've found that between those three roles, I just have no margin for any anything mm. else in life. I have kind of longer-term dreams and ambitions, and I just can't get to any of them. So during this home assignment, in the States, uh, I am talking to our various uh, supporting churches and other individuals who support our ministry and pray for us, and putting to them a new ministry proposal, kind of a refocus of what we're doing now that we've been in Indonesia eight years. And the idea is to approach the seminary uh, when we get back, if we sense that people are with us in this, and seeing if I can dramatically reduce my workload at the seminary and maybe just teach two or three doctoral courses in a year and supervise a few uh, doctoral dissertations. And with the time that's freed up, I want to finally finish my commentary on Titus and do a couple other things, but the major project that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart is to start a new non-formal, unaccredited institute uh, in Indonesia that would create biblical and theological courses that can be accessed on cell phones. Mm-hmm. I've explained to, to you guys that in Indonesia, very few people have mm-hmm. laptops or desktop computers, but if I had to guess, I would say more than 95% of all Indonesians have a smartphone. Mm. And that's become something that's been really prevalent and really important to Indonesians uh, in the last, I would say, probably 10 to 15 years. So some of the things that we've been talking about, um, how not just the small, relatively small number of leaders who are coming to the seminary to study can grow, but how can we think more intentionally about the maybe 9 million evangelical Christians who live in Indonesia? What can we do to help them grow and to share their faith with those around them? And in Indonesia, they have very few resources uh, for pastors and for ordinary Christians. Um, Very few books have been written, there's very few resources online. And so my idea is to create these courses 
that would be run through an app on cell phones, but would be designed for small groups of believers to work through this material face-to-face with each other. I think this actually would appeal to Americans, but much more so to Indonesians who are very communally oriented Mm. and are less likely to Mm. do an individual learning program where they're just, you know, sitting behind their screen and, you know, working through something on their own. Mm. So this is something that I've wanted to do since our first year in Indonesia, really. I have a background in... Uh, Christian curriculum development. I worked for Bethlehem Baptist Church for six years, writing courses for them for their adult theological education initiative. Then I worked for an organization called Bible Mesh that does online courses. Mm -hmm. And so I had this in the back of my mind, but as you were saying earlier, Mike, before we started recording, I feel like now that we've lived in Indonesia for eight years... I know the language uh, better. I have a better understanding of the culture, developed relationships. I have a network of former students all Mm -hmm. throughout Indonesia. Now may be the time to branch out into this new kind of ministry and start work on developing this app and developing these courses that can help Mm -hmm. uh, believers grow. Um, And so... I wrote up a, a nine-page proposal, which I'm happy to make available to anyone listening to this podcast. I'll probably just send it to Mike and Dave and Dan, and you can ask one of them, and they can pass it on. But the proposal gives a lot more of details about how these courses would work, mm. what the topics of these courses would be, the first three at least, and some of the financial implications of, of this project. But we're really asking our supporters, our supporting churches to pray with us about Mm -hmm. this and seek the Lord with us and see if this is a direction for our ministry that he's confirming or not. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, and that ties in actually to the longer conversation we had just previously with spiritual formation. Exactly. In that, you know, we're trying to, or what you're trying to do here potentially is get a lot of Christian workers like on the ground instead of removing them from a context and like feeding them cognitively, which is important and essential, this move in your ministry would be more to say, going to be training these people on the ground, both cognitively, experientially, you know, more formation than just information. And so uh, that's where where Mm -hmm. some of those, those conversations tie in. But yeah, we're excited about that. Mm-hmm. Definitely and training excited. everybody, training mm-hmm. learners who will turn into teachers who yeah. will continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's really it's exciting. Yeah, well, Alex, thank you for being our guest today. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Sermon plus plus, and so I feel like maybe I'll just close this in prayer. I love that. Yeah, Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to have this conversation, to fellowship, and just to kind of lift these three areas to you in prayer, bearing your name. You have called us to bear your name well. You've given us the Spirit. You've given us the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And so, God, I pray for us uh, that we would indeed uh, bear your name in our neighborhoods and to the nations well. Uh, Lord, we think of spiritual formation. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians that he 
is des- deeply desirous that the Galatians, mm. that Christ would be formed in them. Mm. And so I pray for each of us that the very life of Jesus would be formed in us. And so, Lord, as we look at our habits and patterns and things in our lives, I pray that you give us wisdom and humility, strength and courage uh, to be able to, and hope really, that we can change, we can grow. Christ's very life and presence can be formed in our hearts and uh, our minds and even how we live and present ourselves each day with what we do with our bodies uh, to honor him. Mm. And Lord, we lift up uh, the church in Indonesia. Lord, we praise you for uh, the great work that you are doing there and drawing many, many thousands of Indonesians and, and more millions to you now and, and just how the growth is occurring there. We praise you uh, for the power and the goodness of your gospel. And Lord, we pray uh, for the church to be strengthened and deepened. And as we think about um, you know, growth there for our brothers and sisters, uh, just help Alex and Betsy to be faithful to their part. And Lord, if indeed you're moving them to this change of direction, uh, Lord, we ask for your blessing, your favor, your yes. help, your strength uh, upon that endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, on Tuesday, we ended the podcast with a forecast of Thursday. Mm. But we haven't given a forecast of Sunday. So, Mike, for the listener, what do we have to look forward to this coming weekend? Galatians 3, 6 through 14, the gospel. Oh, my goodness. The blessing of Abraham, the presence of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Uh, The faith people, I like one commentator put it that way, faith people get justified and the Spirit. So Praise God. Come figure out what it means to be a faith person. We'll see you Sunday. (laughs) 